You're listening to What the History, a podcast where two nerds talk about some awesome, crazy, random stuff you probably don't remember learning about, but you're going to now. Hey listeners, welcome to What the History. Today we're going to be talking about the RMS Titanic. But before we get into that, I do want to make sure that we take just a few minutes to introduce ourselves and who the hell we are. So my name is Casey. And my name is Sarah. And uh, we are just two people who met (laughs) on a random Facebook group of a co-podcast that we both (laughs) really love. Um, I live up in New Jersey. And I'm down in Atlanta. Yes. And, um, yeah, I mean, I work as a teacher, I teach history, so this is like weirdly my thing. And, uh, I just kind of put this whole thing out there. The credentials I'm, I work a boring corporate job, but I did sociology and stuff like that in school before I sold out. So I'm nerdy and like this sort of stuff. And we got to talking about it and decided it was a good fit. Yeah. So we figured we're going to say what the hell and give this a try. And we hope that you'll stick along for the ride and, You'll overlook our bumps and <laughs> bruises and hurdles that are 100% going to happen. For sure. And um, yeah, we're just going to get right into it. So like I said before, today we're going to talk about the Titanic. So if you are sitting there hoping for a really in-depth discussion about James Cameron's Titanic and whether <laughs> or not like Jack could have fit on the door, you got to find a different podcast because that's not what's happening here. So... <laughs> We're going to focus more on like what the hell happened, um, why was it unsinkable, and why did it actually sink. Um, Sarah's got some cool shit about people who were on the boat, um, some weird facts, and believe it or not, conspiracy theories, which I'm super stoked about, Sarah. Yes, they're always fun. Anytime I read a conspiracy theory, I talk myself into it by the end, even if I'm like, this is dumb. By the end, I'm like, this is what happened. Now now I believe it. And when you said originally, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do, we can look at conspiracy theories. I was like, how the hell do you have a conspiracy theory about the Titanic? Like, oh, yeah. Someone like aliens planted the um, iceberg like right there at the time. So actually close. I'm like super stoked. Oh, my God. Yes. Close on one. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so excited because I like straight up can't fathom that that's a real thought. So we have to get to that right away. So I'm just going to blow through the pages of notes I have just so Sarah can tell me about these crazy conspiracies. Forget the facts. We'll just get right. (laughs) Screw the facts. We're going right to the source, which is just people thinking that they know everything. Okay. (laughs) All right. So the Titanic, we all know what it's known for, which is obviously the unprecedented sinking. Um, we'll talk quite a bit about this, but spoiler alert. it was called, spoiler alert, it the sinks. ship sinks. Um, exactly. Um, and I, obviously, I'm sure most people know that it was considered like unsinkable, which, and we'll definitely talk about this too, but like once you put that out there, I feel like you have to be like super careful with it. Oh, that. yeah. Because that's just like asking for the universe to be like, Really? Okay. How unsinkable. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's um, test it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so at the time of its launch from Belfast, Ireland, the Titanic was the biggest ship ever built. So it was made up of about 24,000 tons of steel. It was 882 feet and nine inches long and 92 feet and six inches wide. So if you're like not a numbers person and you will learn that I am just not a numbers person Same. in any capacity, um, a better way to look at it is it's about four city blocks long and then it stands about 11 stories high. So if you've, have you ever been on a cruise? Yes. I've been on a couple. 
Okay, so I went on my first one this past January, and it was, of course, my dogs come in <laughs> at the moment of recording. Please give me one second. I'm not even going to edit this out because this is my life. Oh, no. It's, everyone loves a dog mascot. Lady. <laughs> it's so funny because I was like, I'll lock the door. And then I was like, no, they won't come in. They never come in. And now they have just come in. Of course. Okay. Of course. The worst possible time. So um, the Titanic stood, if you put it on its, like, like the tip of it, Mm-hmm. people say it was about like an 80 story building which is huge Damn. yeah but actually like by comparison and that's why i asked you if you've been on a cruise it's actually like four to five times smaller than what average cruise ships are so if any of you listeners have like ever been on a cruise and been like this is the largest thing i've ever seen in the water that's pretty much how people felt when the titanic was originally built and cruise ships are weird like it's a whole city so weird. on the water it's- I I enjoyed it to a point because if I thought too much about it, I was like, holy shit. Like this is how is this even sustaining itself on? Yeah. Here? I, I like so, it for some reason I'm scared of everything in the world but but the water, which maybe will change yeah. by the end of the episode. So for yeah. some reason a cruise ship is fine, but you try and get me on like a Ferris wheel and I'm like, mm, no, that's not gonna work. See, I think what happens for me is like if I don't think about it too much. I'm fine. Yeah. The second I start really thinking about it, my head just like spirals into this like out of control. What the F moment where it's like, Fair. Oh my God, how is this possible? Like there was like a, there's like a movie theater and a bowling alley and yeah. like all this shit on board. And I'm like, Oh my God. Also there's rooms and there's like four dining halls and there's like three pools and a water slide and, and an escape room. Like so many people, oh so many people. Oh my God. Yeah. And now of course what's going on at the time that we're recording this, we're at like day, like, Three bazillion of quarantine, at yeah. least kind of, um, in the midst of the coronavirus. Yes. So. so no cruises yeah. for the time being. No cruises for maybe ever, which Possibly. is kind of sad, but also like, I don't know. I don't know. I maybe that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the White Star Line was the creator of the Titanic. Um, and the White Star Line company, essentially, their goal was to carry as many passengers as possible between Europe and the United States. And at the time that this is happening, if you're aware of like the early 1910s into the 1920s, we see a huge like growth of immigration coming from Europeans to the United States. Um, most of them ending up in New York. And then sometimes people would actually like spread out from New York. But if you've ever been to New York City, you know that there's like all of these different people. You know, we have a lot of the Irish. We have a lot of the Italians. Um, this is a very big prime time for them coming over. So the company wasn't really too crazy with like um, worrying so much about their first class passengers, which I thought was weird because I would think that's where the money was. But in actuality, they made most of their money from the third class passengers. So that's pretty crazy to me. Yeah, that is. Um, Yeah. And you'd think that they'd be like, yeah, let's like get the rich onto this. But actually most of the passengers that they would make the money from were third class. So though I do, Um, I looked up like the ticket prices (laughs) and conversions to today and yeah, what like, did you find? So let me pull up what I have because it was crazy. So it's in pounds, not dollars. I was too lazy to convert it. Um, That's fine. But so it was basically a third class ticket cost up to about $700 today or 700 pounds today. So um, per ticket. Per ticket. It was about 700 wow. And then the first class tickets started at about 3000 per person, but went up to about 80000 per person. So Sorry, it's... 
up to 80, like 80. Eight zero. Yes. What I found was, oh I found some places said 50, some places said 80 and some said in between, but the, the like conversion I found that was the largest was $80,000. Holy shit. So the first what could you possibly be getting out of this experience for $80,000? I don't know, but I feel like what people and by people, I mean me always forget is that the Titanic wasn't like when we go on a cruise now, because it'll be fun. Like that was the right. only way to get from Europe yeah. to the U S you couldn't just hop on a plane. So like it wasn't a cruise where I want to go play. It's just like, I have to get to a different continent. Help me. Right. Right. And a lot of times this was like a one way trip for people. Like yeah. a lot of the first class passengers, it wasn't necessarily the case. And right. there were some people who were like on their honeymoon and like this was a vacation and they were visiting family and then they would head back to Europe. But like for the majority of the people on board, it was really just like, okay, we're starting our new life in America. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, so with that being said, the Titanic was built ironically for comfort and for safety because they knew <laughs> that there were going to be thousands of people on board. So yeah. every time I read the word safety, I like cringed a little. Yeah. It's just like, it's almost like secondhand embarrassment right. for a historical event. It's like, oh, you think it's going <laughs> to be like this, but it's going to be really bad. Yeah. Um, so there were nine decks on board. And there was a gymnasium, a squash court, which I straight up don't understand why people play that sport. Sorry if you're a squash player. It was like um, 1910. They had nothing else to do. People still do it. I don't, whatever. Give so, me another month in quarantine. <laughs> I know that's true. Be like, fuck it. I'm going for squash. I'm learning squash. This is, this is where I'm at now. We had like banana bread mode. We had like tiger king <laughs> mode. Exactly. Now we're in like, we're going to play squash. Exactly. Um, <laughs> actually, you know what? That's probably not that um, the Titanic also had a swimming pool and a Turkish bath, which I looked it up because I was like, how is a Turkish bath any different from like other public bath like bathing units? So apparently a Turkish bath, fun fact, there's like smaller rooms of dry heat that you sweat in as opposed oh. to like that humidity. And then after you sweat in there for like 10 to 15 minutes, you like then go to like this huge ornate cool swimming pool and it's, like, made of marble, and it's, like, super fancy. So they had one of those on the ship. So that was clearly um, in the first-class section. Yes. Because yes. I know one I, thing I saw – I'm just going to run through all my fun facts now. But one yeah. thing I saw no, was that <laughs> for the 700 people in third class, there was yeah. three bathtubs per 700 people. So I don't oh think they God. had, like, a Turkish bath situation down there. No. no. <laughs> But you know what's crazy is that that was actually considered luxurious by the standards of – yeah. I'm literally like two sentences away from that. But that's actually like really good for third-class passengers because True. apparently other like ship liners at that time didn't have those types of accommodations, which is like mind-boggling. Right. Just, it's disgusting. Like what, there's yeah. so many things to say. Um, but there was also a hospital on board and a dark room. Um, so you could develop photographs in your spare time. <laughs> of course. Like, okay. It's like, what should we put on here? Hmm. More lifeboats or a dark room? Oh, we're going to need a dark room. Clearly. Um, <laughs> sorry, spoiler alert. There's not enough lifeboats either. <laughs> um, the state rooms, dining rooms, lounges are all comparable to some of the finest hotels of the time, which is actually what makes the Titanic stand out. Right. Um, it actually, most of the time when I was researching this, I just kept thinking of basically two things. And I feel like most people who know of the Titanic, it's the same. You basically either think of like the iceberg and the staircase. Um, because like, obviously in most movie depictions of Titanic, not even just like Titanic, but just in yeah. any time that they talk about it, the grand staircase is like a big thing. 
Um, and that was actually the one thing that you would find pretty much throughout everything, like every floor. So you would yeah. actually get like a grand staircase feel in the third class area. I mean, obviously it wasn't as ornate, but it was something that like unified all people. Um, so the opulence and detail and overall extravagance of the decor was there to pretty much make everybody forget that they were basically on a ship in the middle of the Atlantic ocean in the middle of April. Um, I know, <laughs> I know you said like that you've been on a cruise and I have also, and like, there are definitely times that you forget that you're on a boat. Yeah. Um, but this went like above and beyond. Uh, it was basically trying to just sort of remind people that they were in this like higher standard of existing and they weren't just traveling to, you know, move to another country. They were traveling in this like state of the art masterpiece, um, which cost $7.5 million to build. And when I looked it up, it's about $171 million in today's money. Oh, okay. So it was expensive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I sure as hell don't have $171 million just like <laughs> laying no. around. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was expensive, but it was also built for a really specific reason, which actually, even though I've always been weirdly obsessed with the Titanic, this part, I actually had no idea. So I felt like good learning new facts about it. Um, so at the time of the Titanic's construction, there was this huge competition among rival shipping lines. So basically each of these shipping lines wanted to have the fastest, safest crossing for its passengers. Because like I said earlier, it was pretty much the height of immigration for a lot of these um, like individuals coming over. So the White Star Line was fiercely fighting with another company called the Cunard Company. I'm thinking, I think I'm saying that right. Sure. Once I typed that, I was like, shit, I'm yeah, totally Cunard, not going to say that right. I mean, the only alternative is Cunard, which I don't feel like is right. Oh, God. I, you know what? I, I hope it's not Cunard because that sounds terrible. Exactly. So we're going to just say Cunard. 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 Yeah. Um, so Cunard had recently set a record for the fastest average speed with one of its earlier ships, which ironically enough, the Titanic was supposed to break. And then they didn't because um, it just, you know, wasn't going to happen for them. Um, but the Cunard had a ship that was built um, about the same time frame as the Titanic and launched the same time called the Lusitania. And for any of my uh, World War One fans out there, this is the same Lusitania that sunk by a German torpedo U-boat, which like ultimately killed a couple of Americans and pissed Woodrow Wilson off enough to be like, yeah, maybe we should start fighting in World War One. <laughs> so that didn't happen until 1915, though. So... You know, Lusitania hit a tornado, or not a tornado, a torpedo. <laughs> a tornado. A tornado. In the water. <laughs> the fucking ocean. Like, oh my god. Like, I think that's called a hurricane. A hurricane shit, you're right. Oh my god. See, I'm from New Jersey. We don't have that here. We had Hurricane Sandy one time, and that was, like, it for us. Oh yeah, I'm from so. Miami, so hurricanes are normal. Oh, so yeah, that's, like, a thing. Yeah. The hurricanes are terrifying. The world is terrifying. Okay. <laughs> It's fine. So anyway, literally, I even wrote in my notes anyway, because I knew I was going to at some point <laughs> get off on this like tangent. Um, so the chief executive of the White Star Line, Jay Bruce Ismay, and someone we will probably uh, talk about at some point because he's a garbage human being. Um, Ismay essentially demands the building company Harland and Wolf with two Fs. I feel like it's important to say that. Fair. Uh, to ensure that the three Olympic class liners that White Star Line was building would be the largest, fastest, and the most luxurious, which I think is a pretty tall order, but, you know, it's 1912 sure. or 1909, and he's got a shit ton of money. So um, the Olympic is the first built of the three. Then it was the Titanic. Then it was the Britannica. File that away in your head for when we get to conspiracy theories. 
Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I'm <laughs> so excited. Okay. Um, so the, oh, my God. Yes. So the Olympic was built first. It was smaller um, and it didn't have the same span of just overall size and grandeur that the Titanic would. Um, but in March 1909, Harland and Wolf Construction Company began building the Titanic. Um, it took about two years. And on May 31st, 1911, the hull of the ship. And again, if you're not a ship person, uh, that's the bottom. Because uh, <laughs> I was reading this and I was like Googling. I'm like, hull of ship. And then I was like, shit, it's just the bottom. Like, Casey, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's literally not even hard. You could have figured that out yourself. I don't but, know that I knew that. But you know what? I, I think I was like, okay, maybe it's the part with like this the stacks. And I was like, no, that's like a that's like called a steam stack. Yeah. So, um, so <laughs> I just I really I love that I picked like we picked boats and I have no idea. <laughs> really, are like, experts? Are just no. Like I was like, I don't even know what the fucking starboard side is. I was like, oh, I gotta, yeah, I, I don't gotta know Google most of this. So, um, the whole was basically built in about two years um which is the obviously the most important part of it i would say because that's where you have the boilers um we'll talk about the compartments in a second but basically like once they had the hull of the ship they had to take the hull from where they had it on land and then deposit it into the river so they had to basically drag just like an a shell of a ship from where it was being built in um in belfast onto the river Logan. Um, I, again, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I'm Irish too. I should know this, but, nah. um, but it was towed and like hundreds of thousands of people came out to watch this hull go into the water. And from what I was reading, it only took like a minute and a half and it went off like flawlessly. Like there were no problems. And everybody was like super amazed because it was like the first, I think it was the largest man-made object to ever be moved at that point in history. Okay. Yeah. So it was pretty crazy. And people were like, wow, this ship really is unsinkable. And it's like, it kind of was like really good (laughs) P it was like good PR for like the first like year leading up to when it was actually ready to go. Yeah. Um, so they installed boilers. They created the lavish conditions while it was on the water, which I thought was kind of cool too. Um, and then once it was ready, it was brought over to, um, Southampton in England, which is where it's going to take off. So at the time, This was supposedly the safest ship in the world and white star line ordered the builders to make sure that the ship was the safest um, because they knew that other boats had had problems, not just with speed, but also with safety and capacity. And they really wanted to like, excuse my like terrible pun. If I can even say it this way, but like they wanted to like blow the record out of the water. (laughs) I feel like there's like definitely a better way that I could have. No, it's perfect. But I think it works. Um, (laughs) So Harland and Wolf agree um, that the two biggest problems that a ship could encounter at the time would be either running around um, or running aground. Sorry, not running around. Running it's just around. like grows legs and it starts like running on land. And they're <laughs> that like, no problem. We've just spent $7.5 million on this ship and now it's running. That would be um, a problem it could encounter. It would be. And it probably is like super hard to catch, but it's a terrible joke. Oh my God. Um, and I'm thinking of that one refrigerator joke. That's you know, what I was like about to somebody. say. Hey guys, is your ship running? <laughs> you better go catch it. Like, <laughs> Oh man. If you wanted quality humor, like you got it here. Yep, That's us. Um, <laughs> so the ship, 
like could either run aground, which is very different from running around, mm-hmm. or it could collide with something else. So they basically were like, all right, these are the two like worst case scenarios. So we need to make sure that we engineer the Titanic to withstand these two particular types of damage. How'd that go? So what they did, sorry. How'd that go? Well, <laughs> I mean, in theory, like, I guess their ideas are good. Again, I'm not an engineer. I know like, like two things about boats. Um, so I really don't know, but I think at the time what they were doing was pretty, was like a big deal. Yeah. The time, you know, of the, that this was being built, there was like this shipping magazine that was like, this boat is unsinkable. So it wasn't just like the builders who were saying it. Right. It was pretty much everybody who was looking at the structure of it. It wasn't until after it sank, people were like, you know, this probably could have been done better. Um, (laughs) hindsight is 2020. Right. Yeah. So why was it innovative? So the ship had a double bottomed hull, which means that um, there were like two layers of, I guess, like steel that were used. So like if there was like a small scrape or if there was something that happened to one of the like bottoms, there was still a whole other bottom that it would have to get through. Um, And then it was also divided into 16, or I also saw 15, but I'm going to go with 16, watertight compartments. So basically, if the bow of the ship, or that's like the front, collides with something else, the ship could stay afloat with the first four compartments filled with water. If there was like a side collision and something hit the ship from the side, the ship was actually able to stay afloat with two central compartments completely flooded. So in their minds, there was no way there could ever possibly be like any other scenario where a boat would sink. It's either you're going to get hit from the front or hit from behind or you're going to get hit by the side or you're going to run aground and either way you're going to be able to withstand the damage because of the double hull so the titanic was deemed unsinkable and i wrote the word yeesh because like <laughs> that's pretty much how i feel about reading all of that knowing mm-hmm. what actually happens mm-hmm. so the builders and owners are super overconfident with this obviously to say the least and this resulted in sending the titanic out and this is really where i just started to like yeah feel so much rage um with a lifeboat capacity that would barely accommodate between a third and a half of the total passengers on board. So the Titanic could actually hold over 3000 people on board, including passengers and crew and like staff. Um, I say crew because we'll talk about it in a little while, but it's a little bit more like you have a lot of like stewards and like maids and like cooks and waiters and like all of these people. But then you also have like actual members of the crew that keep the boat floating. Right. So that they have to be accounted obviously in, in people who have to like be on board. Um, so in earlier plans, the ship actually had 32 lifeboats and 32 lifeboats would have actually met the full capacity of people on board, passengers and crew, but it wasn't deemed necessary, mm-hmm. nor fine. was it illegal. You actually could legally not have enough lifeboats for everyone. It's fine. Which is like, it's absurd. Like it's absurd on so many levels. Wouldn't it be um, fun if on a plane, they were like, when the oxygen masks drops, <laughs> first you fight your neighbor. To see who gets it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That would basically be like, it's every man for himself. Yeah. <laughs> like, just straight up. Instead of it's like, what do they say? It's like, put the mask on yourself before helping anybody else. And yeah. Like, no, I'm just going to watch the person next to me suffocate. It's really basically. Not yeah. That's exactly what it was like. Um, and the British Board of Trade was the one who created those rules. And they basically only required 16 lifeboats on a boat the size of Titanic. So I think it was like every 10,000 tons of steel, you had to have 16 lifeboats. And Titanic was like four. 42,000 tons. Like it was way, way bigger. Yeah. So they had enough to carry like 64, but then they decided that 20 was enough. That's fine. Yeah. It's fine (laughs) because it was unsinkable. Duh. (laughs) 
Um, so another thing I thought was interesting too was the navigation and, and like the captaining of the ship. So it was um, captained by Captain Smith. Um, I want to say his name was John Smith, but I feel like I'm making that up. And I definitely feel like I put that somewhere and now I'm panicking that I didn't write it right here. But it's fine. We're going with it. It's fine. Um, so ironically, the, same one from the Titanic, this, it is exactly the same one from Pocahontas. I think Pocahontas was actually on this boat. Perfect. So it's crazy. Um, history is all the same. It literally mm-hmm. just repeats itself, especially with people named John Smith. Yeah. Um, that's accurate. So actually, I was just rewatching Pirates of the Caribbean. Have you seen that? A long time ago. Yeah. So I forgot that he gives Jack Sparrow gives his name as Smith. And I was like, damn, everybody oh. named themselves Smith. Like that yeah. was why that name was so common because you could just like roll up in a strange land and be like, yeah, my name's John Smith. And people are like, all right, cool. I trust you. So, yeah. OK, back to this. Um, I think I'm just avoiding the inevitable because it's so <laughs> infuriating and depressing. Fair. Um, so the navigators and captain of the ship actually decided to take the safer route between Great Britain and the United States, even though it was like a hope and a goal that they would break the record and that they would get to New York way faster than they were supposed to. Um, so they figured they could probably shave off some time while they were in the water. So this is a quote from one of my articles, which I'll actually cite at the end because I totally forgot to do it right now. So from January 15th to August 14th, ships used the summer route, which is quote unquote, which was a further south and longer than the winter route, but it provided protection from the icebergs and field ice that would drift south from late winter to late summer. Unfortunately for the Titanic, it was a really mild winter, actually very similar to what we had up here. I don't think we actually had like any snow. So ice had drifted further south than it was supposed to, which made its way right into the shipping lanes for traveling between Europe and the United States. So when the Titanic set sail from Southampton, England on April 10th, 1912, there are a few problems that happened. Like hour one, day one, there was like a small coal fire in one of the bunkers, which is apparently alarming, but like not unusual, which is sure terrifying that seems right? it's like, no, no, it's to me oh no no it's fine we can have small fires on the first hour of this journey mm-hmm. it's not a big deal the ship also almost collided with an american liner the ss new york like on its way out of southampton okay and some people say that this is quote the worst kind of omen for a new ship which i wrote the word understatement after that <laughs> sentence because again it is just one giant understatement so the first four days of the voyage were super uneventful which is like exactly what you want when you're traveling Um, Everything is going great. Everyone's having a great time. People are partying and they're drunk and they're falling in love and they're like throwing gems into the ocean and like having sex in a cab at the steerage. And, you know, if you've seen Titanic, just imagine that's what people were doing. So what so what exactly went wrong? There was a lot of disorganization and really bad communication. And most like most of the historians I was reading about attribute this to the fact that it was like a new ship new crew, new staff, like nobody had really worked together. There was one instance which I read, which I like couldn't believe what I was reading. The lookouts that were stationed up in the crow's nest didn't have binoculars. Yes, I read about that too. They were like so locked somewhere and no one gave them the key. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and there there weren't enough binoculars on board because there'd been a mix-up in Southampton, like right before they left. And some of the officers who were like in the ship's bridge, which is where they steer from, were like, oh, you know, you need to go a different ship like we're putting in new people here who are more qualified and the captain was like all right yeah we're switching staff and like crew and people just took the binoculars with them so there was already like a limited supply of binoculars and yeah they were like locked away that people couldn't access them yeah i saw so, a thing that um the guy who was the lookout like the one who called iceberg right ahead and is known yeah. for that people leave binoculars at his um 
his gravestone. No. Of, like a thing oh, they've done. Oh my god. Like pranksters like leave them there and I think they've left notes like sorry I'm late or something like that which seems not funny but kind of funny. That's like I'm like laughing but also cringing. Right. Like, that's so shitty. I and know. also like he survived right? Yeah. So like that's even shittier to yeah. be the guy that got the boat and they're like what was your job man and he's like uh i saw the iceberg and everybody's like what (laughs) that's terrible i mean that's like that's so dark but Uh, it's actually i mean i don't want to say it's funny but that's so funny but also people suck like but i feel like that same shit i feel like that should be some sort of joke people use like a look out on the titanic that was your job what do you do yeah look out on the titanic like you did a really bad job but actually he didn't so like I, that's literally what I'm about to get to because yeah. there was a lot of other like problems with it. Oh, mostly yeah. the fact that communication on this boat was garbage. Yep. Like as a teacher, I can tell you that people just straight up don't listen to you <laughs> when you speak. Um, I've never been in a corporate setting, so you could probably speak to that more. But like I know when I'm looking at a room full of 14 year old children, they just are like, "What'd you just say?" And it's like, "Oh my god, don't even bother." Um, yeah. so people just didn't listen on the Titanic, specifically the officers and specifically Captain Smith. So So even though the Titanic had a state of the art, long range, like communication set, which basically was a two way radio where you could have telegraph communications between, you know, the lookout and the bridge, it just straight up like ignored important messages that were warning the Titanic's officers about ice directly ahead. So I think I read somewhere that they got upwards of like, I want to say it was like, I think it was somewhere between like 12 and 15 at minimum like warnings from other ships like hey guys just put it out there like there's a lot of icebergs so just like fyi you should probably be aware and even though they received those messages the titanic didn't have a good enough organization system that like there was no protocol to give priority to pick out most important messages and give them up to the bridge so like you could get like a message that's like icebergs coming up and like icebergs right ahead and they'd be like um which one should we bring up to the bridge like there was no actual it's fine like rules right which is like again like it's just so absurd it's like having a fire drill and then being like you know what just run screw it like what does it even matter this whole place is burning you know so yeah like so yeah, so the lack of information is ultimately what leads the captain to like actually pick up speed, which is pretty crazy. He sees no reason to slow down or post extra lookouts. The night is clear. And on April 14th of 1912, everything is looking pretty fine. So I think this is where you probably want to pick up and tell us some people who were on board that you found in your research. Yeah, so I have a handful of people. Um, Most of the stories of them go past some of this to talk about what happened after, but I don't think it's a spoiler that the boat sinks. Um, Are you kidding me? I know. So when I talk about that, I know. (laughs) So I tried to find some of the like lesser known ones, but one of the, the people who always comes up and will be important when I talk about conspiracy theories and is just worth noting is this dude named John Jacob Astor. Um, and no. he, he's believed to have been the richest man in the world at the time. Um, if not yes. the richest, like one of them. And his great grandfather was the first person to ever be a multimillionaire in America. Wow. And so he was on this boat returning from his honeymoon with his pregnant wife. But the tra- Okay. Is this the one where she was like... Yes. way younger yes i okay. have he was okay. 40 i wrote literally this man was 46 and on a honeymoon with his pregnant 18 year old wife that's a hell no for me that's a hell no so um <laughs> but he was like obviously very important i mean it's like if elon musk died on a shipwreck tomorrow you know right um right. which that's crazy. Fine. but um the other thing is that when they found his body they found him with 
about 2,500 pounds in his pocket, which is the equivalent of 60,000 today. So he was just literally Holy like shit. walking around this boat carrying $60,000. So that's the level of rich that this man was. Yeah. So that's unreal. Yeah. What so, do you need that kind of money for? I'm so sorry. I, Keep going. No, I don't. And like, you like think a car? Charter your own boat. Yeah. For but real. I, I feel like he was the one with the 87,000 pound ticket. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He probably, like, had a whole freaking floor to himself. This yeah. Guy. So wow. And his wife was pregnant. Mm-hmm. 18. Oh, oh, my God. Okay. I know we're not supposed to talk about the movie because I literally it's said fine. this myself. But I distinctly remember Rose pointing him out to Jack oh. when they're at, like, that fancy dinner. And she's like, do you see that one right there? Like, he just divorced his first wife. And he's, like, the richest man on board. And his wife is in, like, a delicate condition, which made me, like, vomit in her Because, like, oh, fucking, the last thing you are when you're pregnant is delicate. Like it. You yeah. are literally creating a human body. So whatever. Okay, yeah. keep going. Okay, so there was also an actress named Dorothy Gibson. And so she okay. survived the wreck um, and got to New York and basically immediately started making a movie called The Sinking of the Titanic. She was like hustling. She was like, this was a big deal. I need to make a movie about it and star in it. And so it literally came out the next month. Like this movie came out in May. What? What kind of production time is that? Not a lot. Um, And she also, she wore like her actual outfit from the day the boat sank. She kept it and wore it in the movie. So she was just like, this has happened to me and I'm going to make some money off of it. Wow. Is this when they were still doing silent films? Yeah. So it was, I don't, it was like the transitional period, but I believe this one was silent. Um, But no one knows because the only known copy burned in a house fire like forever oh ago so no one wait, 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 wait. seen this movie <laughs> holy shit this is insane you yeah. haven't even talked about conspiracy theories and i feel like we just unloaded like three of them exactly yeah so i was trying oh to find God. like the weirder people um there was yeah, also a woman weird. named violet jessup and so she was a nurse at the hospital on the boat um and she actually survived because they they were like hey you get on a lifeboat to prove it's safe really early on People were like hesitating to get on the lifeboat. So she got on to demonstrate it um, for all the other women. And she got to shore. And instead of never going on a boat again, she got a job on the Britannica, which is a boat that also sank. Yeah, that's wait, wait, that's Titanic's sister. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. She got on another boat and it sank. White star line. She survived that one, but she got a really bad head injury. And all I could find that was that it like affected her for the rest of her life. So I don't know what that means, but she did technically survive both. Holy shit. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't even get me near the water after something. No, we're done with boats. No, forever. Like I went on one cruise one time and I'm literally done. And that was like, like now that I've just reread all this, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. definitely never doing this again. Yeah. Oh my um, God. Okay. Dorothy okay. Je- was it Dorothy Jessup? No. no that Dorothy, was Dorothy Gibson, Gibson and Violet Jessup. Wow, these are cool names. Too. Right. And so then I I don't know if I'm going to say this one right. It was two brothers, the Navratil brothers. Navratil. Okay. Um, they were named Navratil. Edmund and Michael. They were two and four years old, and they'd been kidnapped oh. by their father. So it was like an old timesy custody situation. So oh, their shit. father took them on the ship to take them to America. And then they were the only children from the Titanic who were found without parents. Um, oh so all the God. other children with their parents, but they were found alone. And what? I hadn't thought about this, but they couldn't just like call their mom 
right? Like, what do you do? Yeah, they couldn't be like, hey, mom, we got stuck on a boat and now we're in America. Like, yeah. holy shit. So there was another woman who survived the, um, the sinking named Margaret Hayes and she spoke French. So she took them in for like a Oh my God, these kids didn't even speak English. So were they third class? I didn't find what class they were, but they, they okay. spoke French. Um, and so she took them in for like a little over a month until their mother found them because they posted posters and stuff in Southampton and took out ads and stuff. And so then they brought the mother over here to retrieve them, but they just lived with this land, random lady off the boat for a month. Oh, wow. That is heartbreaking. Right. I cannot imagine being that mother being I, like, where the hell are my kids? And then finding out your children were on like a boat that, like basically sank that they should have died on that they didn't die on. Yeah. Wow. Right. They ha- obviously they had to be. I'm guessing they were third class because so many third class passengers did not speak English because they yeah. were reading. So that's probably and also that's probably why like nobody gave a shit if they were like if the dad just like handed them off. Yeah. Like, I exactly. Mean, oh, oh my god, that's awful. Yeah. And then the last one that I don't know why I saved the sad ones for last. Um, <laughs> well, there's something sadder. Perfect. Well, yeah. This one's actually. <laughs> We haven't even gotten to the super sad part of the timeline. No, this one's sad. So a man named Joseph LaRoche was on the boat with his wife who was pregnant and then their two daughters, Simone and Louise. And they're the only known black passengers to have been aboard the Titanic. Um, And they were actually traveling to Haiti because they were fleeing racial prejudice in France. So there was a bunch of stuff happening in France and they had, um, he had a a cousin or uncle, I think uncle in Haiti, who was like Mm -hmm. a big time government official. And so they could safely go there. And so they were the only black people known to be aboard the Titanic, but they did all die in the the crash. Um, But I just thought that was interesting that that's. Yeah, I did. I looked up too. And and I wonder if they. Well, because Haiti at the time was already freed. Like, they yeah. shook off French rule, like, uh, earlier than that. They were, like, the first colony, I think, to do so. So that was a primarily, um, like, black-run country. Mm-hmm. So that's, wow, that's crazy. It's so interesting because they said that every, like, race and creed and, you know, group was, like, on the Titanic represented somehow. And I was wondering, I was like, how how was the black community represented? I couldn't find anything. That's yeah, really, really I found just this one family for that's hard for black passengers so wow that's what i got i have one more lady but i'm going to save her for a special time later okay (laughs) um oh my god but those are some of the like more interesting people that i found that were on the boat besides like you said there was a big mix of people from all different countries and different races and different classes on the boat it was pretty like widespread um but those are some of the the ones i thought were interesting Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I definitely, so you said Aster is the one that's got like a conspiracy theory? Yeah, he ties into one of them. Oh, sick. Okay, cool. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm so stoked for that. Okay. All right, so timeline. Um, so this is basically, I thought the best way to break it down um, because it, it is a very quick series of events. Um, even though I can imagine that time is passing in such a weird slow awful way at this point um but also things happen pretty rapidly i mean we go within the span of like three and a half hours the ship that was unsinkable is done it's gone it's under the water so um i basically just started at 11 30 p.m so on april 14th 1912 at 11 30 p.m visibility is clear but there was no moon out which i think is like trippy as hell and the sea was also reportedly dead calm like it was like people reported that you could look into the water and it was like a glass, like a mirror, huh. which I think is like freaky as hell. Yeah. Um, 
So both of these factors actually made it more difficult than usual to spot icebergs from a long way off. So a lookout sees an iceberg dead ahead of the ship. He rings the warning bell. He does his whole screaming iceberg right ahead. He then telephones the bridge and the crew begins to reverse the engines, which basically turns the ship really sharply. 10 minutes later at 11.40 p.m., the Titanic grazes along the side of the iceberg. So what I've been learning more about icebergs, too, which has been a fun <laughs> kind of new development for me. Yes. Um, 90% of an iceberg is underwater. So it looks pretty bad when you're going right at it, but it's actually even worse than you can imagine because there's so much yeah. under the water that you don't see. And this is actually where the Titanic, um, this is where it kind of causes the most damage. So instead of hitting the iceberg head on, which a lot of like historians say at the speed it was going, it might've actually been better because they had prepared for such a collision right. from the boat to just ship. hit it. So yeah, exactly. So they, they, a lot of people speculate like, well, the way that the compartments are going to fill up with water, actually it could have been better quote unquote, if it had happened the way that like you just going right into it. But the way that it did happen was that the, the side of the um, Titanic grazes along the iceberg and it causes fragments of ice to land on the forward deck. And the lookouts at this point were relieved because they didn't actually sense any actual collision. People, I was reading a lot of like firsthand accounts reported like a shaking, like a rumbling. You could kind of feel it crunching. Um, and what's actually happened at this point is the iceberg scraped a massive jagged 300 foot gash oh. in the hull of the ship. Okay. So within minutes, the boat starts taking on thousands of tons of water because it was actually through both holes. So remember I said at the very beginning, it was like double hold oh. the jacket. Yeah. It was so bad that it actually went through both of those. Like it was basically like a double bottom ship and it went through both bottoms. Um, so 10 minutes, 20 minutes after that, between 12 and 12.05 AM. So we're now on April 15th. Uh, Captain Smith and the architect slash builder of the Titanic, Thomas Andrews, survey the damage done. And basically at that point, five compartments are already filling with water, which is causing the bow of the ship to start to pitch downward, um, meaning that it's literally starting to sink from the front, as opposed to a lot of people think it started sinking from the back. It actually started sinking from the front and that allowed more water to pour in from other bulkheads. So basically the more that it tilted, the more water was spilling into other compartments, which was dragging it down even more. So it's at this point that Andrews basically does this rough calculation and he's like, yeah, we have like an hour and a half, two hours max. And Bye. Captain Smith's like, Okay, so at 12.05, he gives the official order to uncover the lifeboats and begin the process of loading passengers onto them. So something I thought was super interesting was, I guess on April 14th, Captain Smith was supposed to have a lifeboat drill. I saw this. And he didn't. Yep. Um, I didn't see anything why he didn't. I don't know if you found anything about that. I have a conspiracy theory for you. Oh, yes. <laughs> do you want to do it now or you want to wait? No, because it's a big long one. So we're going to do that okay. one. Okay. All right, we'll do that last. Okay. Um, so I think that was like an extra shitty dollop of shit on a really shitty situation. Yep. <laughs> so um, 1225 AM. So again, we're technically April 15th. Oh, this is the worst part. So the first group of passengers are loaded onto the lifeboats and at 1240 AM passengers begin to leave the ship. So the first lifeboat is lowered about 15 minutes into them starting to load it, which is like really a long freaking time. I remember when I went on the cruise, they like told us exactly what would happen, where mm -hmm. we needed to go, what spot we needed to stand in. And like the lifeboats could like go from up 
to hitting the water in like a minute and a half. Yeah. So it went crazy. But we also have like hydraulics and stuff. Right. They had like manpower. So um, each lifeboat had a capacity of 65 people. The first one left with 28. They were not even at half capacity. In total, there are enough spaces on the lifeboats for about a thousand people. It's still not enough, but like way better than it could have been. But people were kind of chill about what was happening. Um, yeah, you know, they had bought $86,000 tickets to be like, we're on an unsinkable ship. I'm going to stay right here in my dining room with my fur coat. Oh, I can't remember um, who there was one really rich guy I read about where basically like him and his bros changed into nice outfits and smoked cigars on the deck and said like, well, if we're going down, we're going down like gentlemen. Yes. I actually, I remember that from the movie too. Yeah. They actually did that. And it was the one thing I think, again, I'm talking about the movie I said we weren't going to talk it's about fine. was they did like Cameron did do a lot of like personal accounts. Like yeah. he took a lot of stuff into account and like the orchestra playing and all of this stuff, like some of the pan that you see to like the mother holding her two children in mm-hmm. bed and telling them a story like the old couple. Like I actually have like personal accounts of those those folks and they all those were all real. Like yeah. were people that were just like, we're going to die and this is how we die. And like yeah. that, I think, is the most like like unbelievable thing about all of this. Yeah. So basically they're told to um, get the F off the boat as fast as possible. And meanwhile, as like the law of the seas goes, women and children were boarded on the lifeboats first. But once all of the people in in, like an area of a lifeboat were loaded, they were like, okay, if there's any men that want to jump on, you can jump on. So basically it was like, if we can get as many women and children onto this boat, great. And now that this section is empty, all right, we can throw a couple men on as well. At the time, most of the accounts I saw were similar in that everyone is like witnessing something really tragic and traumatic. Families are split up in the chaos. You have children who are separated from their parents and then just like thrown on a lifeboat and they like don't know where their parents are. Men basically saw their wives and children off onto the lifeboats, promising to find them on a different lifeboat, knowing full well that they were lying, which I like, again, it's like tragic in so many respects. There were some accounts too that people said people got off of the lifeboat to put other people on it. I read Um, one where it was like an older couple. And so she got on the boat and got all loaded up and then he wouldn't get on because he wanted women and children. And so she got off the lifeboat and like back onto the ship. So, and like they died together. I saw the same thing. Yeah. It was like a really older couple. And she was like, we said till like death do us part. One of the reports, like witnesses was saying, that's what they, she overheard. Yeah. That, that to me is like, wow. Like if you have like a 70 something year old woman, who's like, I've lived my life. These kids need to, or whatever. Like that's incredible. Basically one of the biggest areas of criticism was a lack of training and knowledge for the staff and the crew. So there were 900 people on the crew and 70 of them were skilled seamen. Okay. So like 70 people. I know I literally wrote LOL next to that (laughs) word, by the way. So (laughs) it's so funny. I'm so glad you did that. Cause I was like, should I do it? I'm a grown up. And then you did it. It was perfect. (laughs) So 70 people were skilled at sea, like straight up. They just were like, yeah, we're going to have not even like a 10th of our population on boat. Like know what the hell's going on. The rest of them were stewards, cooks, waiters, bellboys, janitors, like all these people that you need for a five-star hotel, but nobody you need for a freaking boat. So there'd been no drill, like I said. And I think this is super tragic too. Um, the, the group that was hit the hardest were the third-class passengers, mostly because they were unable to make their way up to the necessary decks with the lifeboats on them. Many of them did not speak English. Many of them literally, and this is like, I, I could cry thinking about it. Like most of these folks had everything, their whole lives with them in their baggage and they weren't like allowed to bring shit with them. 
So literally like, like their whole life was in like a bag that they weren't able to bring onto a lifeboat. And so a lot of people almost like chose to like wait it out in hopes that it would be, you know, safer that way. So at 2.05 a.m., the last lifeboat leaves the ship. There are over 1,500 people still on board. Uh, at 2.10, the front of the Titanic is completely underwater. It causes a, um, the back of the boat to lift up and the lights go out. So all of the electricity is cut. 18 out of the 20 lifeboats have been lowered and many are still at only half capacity, which is like so infuriating yeah yeah um seven minutes later so only seven minutes after the lights go out the back of the boat gets pushed even further out of the water because the ship's hull isn't strong enough to withstand the pressure of like literally hundreds and thousands of tons of water the boat snaps in two so this is where we see the last radio distress call go out and it says quote come as quickly as possible old man the engine room is filling up to the boilers i literally got chills when i read that like yeah oh my god Um, and it's at 2.17 a.m. that Captain Smith announces every man for himself, which is literally one of the most terrifying things I think you could ever hear, and I can't even fathom it. Yeah. Um, two See, this is later, where I have, like, no survival instinct, because oh, as soon as I this know. boat hit the iceberg, I would have jumped in the yeah. water. Bye! I know. I know. I think this. No, I know. Honestly, I remember I, I say this to my fiance all the time. I'll be like, if there's a zombie apocalypse, you need to just take me out. I'm I say the exact same thing. I'm like, if the internet or the air conditioning goes, it's a sign that I'm not going to make it. And yeah. I just want to be yeah. swiftly removed. Mm-hmm. Or I would joke, and I, you know, in the Hunger Games, they like stand on their little pods beforehand. And if you try and get off your pod too early, you blow up. That's my yeah. Hunger Games plan. I'm jumping yes. off the pod. You just like let it happen. <laughs> yeah, yep. 100%. I know I, I, that's exactly how I feel. And like, even like watching, like, or hearing accounts, or like watching the movie, like there's so much shit that I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if I'd have the emotional stamina to say goodbye to my family to be yeah. like, okay, you know, women and children, I'm just going to get on. And literally like, I was thinking about what you said about like Aster's wife, like right. 18 years old. This woman has like no fucking idea about anything. And now she's pregnant with this like old dude's baby and she basically is like left on her own like uh, granted she was like probably gonna get at least i was gonna say she's gonna get that good child support though right but like still like i can't even fathom like you know and then like that's the thing there were like 13 honeymooning couples like i just can't think of like starting your life and then like this is this is how it ends like you know this is how it ends so so at 2.19 a.m., two minutes later, the front of the boat disappears beneath the surface of the ocean, and the back half slowly begins to fill with water until it's uh, end high up in the air. Um, so I have a quote from Mrs. D.H. Bishop uh, that she said on April 19th, a few days after they um, landed in New York. Quote, as the ship sank, we could hear the screaming a mile away. Gradually, it became fainter and fainter and died away. Some of the lifeboats that had room for more might have gone to their rescue, but would it, it would have meant that those who were in the water would have swarmed aboard and sunk her. So that's what we're going to talk about in a second, too. But a lot of people criticize the Titanic's lifeboats for not going back and helping the people who were in the water. Right. 2.24 a.m., the bow of the ship reaches the bottom of the ocean. The back half is following just about two minutes later. The boat had exceeded what Andrews had estimated by an hour. So he said, like, you guys have an hour and a half to max. Yeah. It actually stayed afloat for three. So it was, like, a little um, unsinkable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like an hour. <laughs> it was an hour longer unsinkable <laughs> than he had put out. Out of that's actually such a great way of looking at it. <laughs> so out of all of the lifeboats that were out on the water, one went back into the crowd of floating, screaming, freezing passengers. Literally just one. Cool. So at 3.30 a.m., the Carpathia's rockets are seen by the survivors on the lifeboat. So I guess Carpathia 
like, I don't really, I guess I understand why they're sending out rockets just so that people could be like, we're coming, we see you. But I also yeah. feel like it's kind of like, hey guys, we showed up. How's everyone doing? And everyone's like dead or frozen or like traumatized. Maybe it was because like, like if the visibility was bad, like how they couldn't see the iceberg. So they knew where to go. That's 100% what it was Sarah. I just straight up was like, well, that's kind of ballsy of Carpathia. Just like rolling up like some bitches like, oh, this doesn't look too good. Like, I'm fireworks. so sorry. Yeah. how can we make the people happy give the people what they want <laughs> it's freaking fireworks um at 410 the first lifeboat is picked up by the carpathia or carpathia i've heard it said a couple different ways and at 8 50 a.m the carpathia leaves the scene of the disaster with 705 survivors on board three days later on april 18th they arrive in new york city at nine o'clock p.m with hundreds of reporters and families and just people waiting actually really it was more like thousands but yeah. the reporters especially came out in droves right um so one of the worst things was the aftermath of waiting to hear what had happened so there were several inaccurate newspaper reports because believe it or not the media kind of sucked in some capacities back then too yeah. um so all day long on april 15th there was this sense of hope that people in new york were like waiting and they had heard that the, that the titanic was like damaged but people were okay and like you know all the passengers and crew would be safe and so a short message got out to the new york office of white star line um from the company's managing director good old ismay who is like doucheaholic because he was like the investor of this boat he was the owner of the company and this like bastard snuck onto a freaking lifeboat and like he's just a shitty garbage person yep i could literally talk about him for a whole episode and just <laughs> trash him um but i won't so I'll, I'll maybe we'll do that later on yeah um we just do like shitty men. Oh, it would be hard to find time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so people obviously were shocked, outraged, devastated. Um, they started to ask a lot of really good questions, like how could the unsinkable Titanic sink? Uh, what negligence or incompetence had cost so many innocent lives, which I think is a totally valid question. I would say so. Um, so by the time Carpathia docked in uh, on Thursday, April 18th, the U.S. government had already formed a subcommittee to investigate the disaster. So I think this is the fastest the U.S. government has ever worked ever. Yeah. Um, so a good quote I found was, um, I think this was from uh, Titanica, like Encyclopedia Titanica. This was like a crazy site where I found a lot of stuff. Um, quote, the hearings began the next morning in New York, but soon were transferred to Washington, D.C., the committee's final report issued six weeks later noted the misguided assumptions, errors in judgment, and disorganization. However, because of the law, uh, the lax regulations in effect in 1912, these problems did not constitute legal negligence, either U.S. or British law. Cool. So they basically were like, nah, this isn't our fault. And Britain did the same inquiry and they found the same thing. And it basically was like, yeah, there's really nothing that we could do because the laws of the ocean were this. And, you know, everybody kind of screwed all, uh, around, but like there's really not much that we could do to fix that. Um, so this was also another part that I never really learned about. But from April 22nd to May 15th, rescue ships were sent out to the area of the disaster. And the rescue ships um, were basically packed with ice, coffins and canvas bags and embalming equipment, which I thought was like horrifying on so many yeah. levels and i like all that like gruesome shit but this was like oof. yeah um they found 328 bodies floating in the area and a majority of the bodies were third class passengers crew members and um just emigrants so most accounts say that these were the most common and vulnerable victims uh, a lot of them didn't speak english they were disregarded by the other passengers they did not they didn't actually sort lifeboats by class a lot of times like at a certain point they were just like get the hell on the lifeboat 
but first class and second class passengers had an easier access point to those lifeboats. So that's why a lot of third class passengers weren't able to safely make it to the top decks. One of the first ships to come upon the wreckage was the SS Bremen. I've never heard about this ship before, and I was like fascinated beyond belief with this. So they were traveling from Germany to New York City in April of 1912. And on April 20th, they already knew that the the, the Titanic had like hit an iceberg and sunk. Yeah. So four days later, passengers and crew members began shouting and screaming because they were absolutely horrified by the bodies that they saw. Yeah, this was so... Oh my God. The bodies were floating, clustering and moving along the waves like a flock of seagulls. Nope. Yeah. So just like, these were just like other people on a boat, like the people on the Titanic that literally were like not driving through bodies, but like driving like past them. Yeah. So the Bremen um, joined in the mission of recovering whatever dead they could. Um, They were forced to pick through debris, including pillows, doors, chairs, tables, anything that could float in some capacity. This is another quote said by an 11-year-old boy who was on the Bremen, uh, Liani Herman. Quote, the first one was a lady with a baby. We ran downstairs and told them, the crew, everybody came up. Everybody was crying. As we went further, there was another body. They picked up one, a man. They brought him up on the ship and examined him. They really looked at him and saw him. I hate it. Yeah, I hate everything about this. Um, this gets super dark. I should have like done like it's a disclosure fine. at the um, at the top of this. So the bodies were searched, trying to find identification whenever possible. They were numbered and basically cataloged and tagged. The property found on each body had to be tagged in a bag that was then like associated with the number of the body. There were about a hundred bodies buried at sea. The rest were prepared as best as they could be to be sent to the United States um, and then possibly sent back to England, depending on where the family was. Um, one passenger was quoted as saying, quote, the embalmer is the only man to whom the work is pleasant. I might add without undue exaggeration, enjoyable for to him, it is a labor of love and the pride of doing a job well, which is super depressing and strangely beautiful. And like, mm-hmm. holy shit, people saw a man and a woman clasping each other's arms. Um, the body of a woman with a child in each of her arms lashed to a chair, which is like freaking horrifying. Um, yeah. One pass, uh, one woman in a nightdress with a baby clasped closely to her breast. Um, another woman was fully dressed with her arms tightly clutching the body of a shaggy dog that looked like a St. Bernard. And I'm telling you right now, I pretty much almost gave up after reading that sentence because like straight up, like my dogs, if they couldn't get on the boat with me, I would be like, fuck this. It's so, not worth it. So like That's the per- yeah. the passenger I saved for later is there was a, a woman in okay. first class named Anne Elizabeth yep. Isham. And she was one of only four women from first class to die. So like almost all of the first class women were okay, but she died. She got onto a lifeboat with her great Dane and was told the dog can't come on the lifeboat. So she jumped off the lifeboat with the dog. And people, okay, so then that's exactly who this is. Cause I mean, some say she was Bernard, right? Some say she was found wrapped around the dog is what I have. So like, I bet it's her. Um, but I was kind of like, it's going to be her respect. Like, no, I'm not going to stop my dog. A thousand percent. I mean, like, I just can't. There's, they were dressed in nightgowns and pajamas and full evening wear. Like, some of these people were just, it's, and the the thing is, like, the conditions, they were pretty much, like, frozen. Right, because it was so which cold. Which is just, right, which is, like, horrifying. The other thing, too, was, like, just, there was just so much carnage. 
people had broken arms, crushed skulls. They were cut up and injured in the process of the sinking, but they, a lot of them had their life vests on, which caused them to float automatically. So like these, these folks were literally bobbing around the water for like days and days and days in ice cold conditions. But then the sun was beating on their faces. Um, And so, yeah, like it's just like the condition of these bodies was just absolutely horrific. Yeah. And not every person in the water was successfully recovered. So bodies of a steward and a kitchen worker lasted until June of 1912. So like somebody found these poor people floating in June months later, because what was happening was the, the life vest was being so exposed to the salt water and the sun and the salt water and the sun Mm -hmm. that they would break. And that was the only thing keeping people afloat. So their bodies sank to the bottom. In response to the disaster, Congress enacted important legislative changes, and they actually did their freaking jobs for once, which is Mm. shocking. They demanded that there was a 24-hour manning of all wireless communication equipment because the other problem was Titanic was, like, sending these signals out at, like, 2 a.m., and, like, everybody had gone to bed. So you couldn't, like, turn off your communication signals in the middle of the night. You had to have somebody there 24-7. They created the International Ice Patrol, which sounds pretty badass but also kind of lame. I don't know if anybody worked for them. So sorry. Probably in order to warn ships of other, (laughs) what are the one odds? We got like one person that's like, (laughs) screw this podcast. They just, the international ice patrol. (laughs) So the other fun thing was what happened to the iceberg? Because like, yeah, nobody ever asked that question. So apparently it was okay. Actually though, red and black paint was etched into one of them. So basically there was a cluster of them and other boats saw, and they were like, the hell's that? And red and black paint, etched into the side of one of them okay which is crazy gross and awesome and just terrifying yeah i like that i mean i don't like it but you know what i mean right right like you like it and hate it i totally understand exactly yeah so that was uh that was the sinking of the titanic and pretty much the aftermath of it fun Mm -hmm. okay i have two fun facts that we didn't get to because i didn't spill them yet um i mean by fun i i don't mean fun but right. so this, this one is all garbage, but <laughs> right. One of them is actually just about how America fucking sucks. So oh, yeah. when I was reading Go about some of the different like race, people of different races on the ship, there was six Chinese passengers who survived. And mm-hmm. so they got brought to, to New York on the other boat and then got immediately denied entry to the U S because of the Chinese exclusion act. So they literally like got shipwrecked, got brought to the U S and then they were like, Ooh, actually you can't come here. Oh my God. That's such bullshit. Right. The worst. I was like, I survived the Titanic, sir. I think I can. Yeah. I'd be like, come on in buddy. I'm so sorry that our garbage bullshit like right. technology almost killed you. Yeah. So I saw that and hated that. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Did not like that. And then there was one um, surviving passenger who was Japanese and he oh actually, God, I think I heard this. Yes, yeah, so he went back to Japan afterwards mm-hmm. and got like completely shunned for surviving. Yes, because of the yep. collectivism, they basically felt like he would let the other Japanese people on board go down and everyone else on board go down. And the fact that he managed to survive was like a betrayal of the collectivism. Yeah, and so he I got totally shunned in Japan. I accidentally read that. I don't know why. I just was looking at. I guess just like people or like survival stories. And the reason why he like lived was because he, he was like trying, he was like the only living family member for like yeah I think one of his, like for his family or right. like he, he was, needed to was get to them. And his wife was like waiting for him or something like that. And he needed to make sure that they were taken care of. So he was like, he basically was like, okay, well I either survive and, and help them or 
I die and I don't help them. And I heard that even his family shunned him. Like they were so disgusted by him. That's mind boggling. Crazy. But, but like, then you have people like Ismay who were like, you should have died. Everybody that was in charge of this boat went down with the ship in like, and that should have been you. So people shit on him for a while too. And that's the other, Um, like went down with the ship thing that I find weirdly, like hauntingly beautiful. It's obviously sad. mm -hmm, I think you mm -hmm. alluded to it earlier, but basically once it became clear that the ship was going down, all of the musicians on board, like got up to play and they played for two hours and five minutes and just like sunk playing which yep. I don't know. That's sad, but I think it's cool. Oh. Yeah, because they were like, you know what? Like someone else can take our seats, and if this is the only thing that provides comfort, yeah. For people, like, but think about how haunting that must have it's been crazy. to be like seeing screaming and family saying goodbye, and right? Just, and like, they're playing like the Beethoven's cello. fifth fucking symphony, like just in the background. I've never heard that. I don't know if that's a thing, I, but like, yeah, fair. that's got to be so. And there was one guy oh. who he was um, he was a cello player, and he was like pretty young. I think he might have been nineteen or twenty. And he died on board, but he wasn't officially declared dead until 2000 because they never found his body. And so all of the musicians died, but like he was um, drafted to serve in World War One for the French army and like labeled and he was dead and he was labeled a deserter. Because are they, you kidding me? He, no. And so like years and years later, after they got him declared dead, like some association of the Titanic got his name cleared so that it was like honorable, whatever, and like officially That's declared so dead. But he technically was not dead for 88 years, even though every single musician died. That's <laughs> ridiculous i know like and like granted there's so many things that we mess up on as like a society in a country like no doubt but like uh, that's like a whole other podcast episode exactly. that's crazy to me could you imagine being labeled a deserter but you literally died on an unsinkable ship right that like, have sunk? sorry i couldn't make it that's so ridiculous yeah um so those were my remaining so, fun facts <laughs> cool they were very fun so, and very sad so fun. and infuriating. <laughs> we should just start calling them like angry, sad, fun facts. Yeah. So the actually, this is kind of like a big fun fact in and of itself, because, again, I didn't really know this about the discovery of it. The Titanic remains were discovered in 1985 while the United States Navy was doing a secret mission during the Cold War. Ooh. So they were actually. Yeah. Right. Isn't that cool? So they were on a secret mission to discover two wrecked submarines. And so Robert Ballard, uh, Ballard, sorry, was an oceanographer at the University of Rhode Island. And he basically had been saying like, you know, I want this kind of technology to help figure out where remains are specifically the Titanic. Yeah. And um, the Navy hired him and they were like, okay, we want to use that technology, but like, we don't want you to use it to investigate the Titanic. We want you to find the wreckage of the USS Scorpion and Thresher, which are badass names. I wrote that specifically. Yep, they are. So these ships sunk in the North Atlantic at depths of 10,000 and 15,000 feet under suspicion of having been shot by the Soviet Union. So the Navy wanted to know what had happened. Um, were they actually shot down? And also what happened to the nuclear reactors that powered the ships because they wanted to make sure that there was no environmental impact on the ocean so they could continue to use nuclear materials in the ocean which sure. is like all kinds of effed up but whatever sure, go for it so the guy Sunman and Ballard basically were like yeah we can do that um, and Ballard basically said he knew the Navy didn't actually want him to go for the remains of the Titanic but the head of the Navy was like you can look for the Titanic after you do this other job Sure. Um, so jokes on them because he did find <laughs> it and he only had 12 days left over in his mission to begin searching for the Titanic and he found it. Nice. So he finds it, and in 1986, the U.S. Congress passes the RMS Titanic Maritime Memorial Act to, quote, encourage 
international efforts to designate the shipwreck of the RMS Titanic as an international maritime memorial and to provide for reasonable research, exploration, and, if appropriate, salvage activities with respect to the shipwreck, unquote. There's so much detail out there. Like, this basically sums up the process of recovery and it's kind of from Wikipedia, and I hate myself for using it, but like, <laughs> okay. if my students are listening, I'm allowed to use it. You're not allowed to use it. Fair. Um, <laughs> so between the 25th of July and the 10th of September, 1987, an expedition mounted and a consortium by a consortium of American investors made 32 dives to the Titanic using the submersible nautil? Nautil? Nautil. Um, sure. They salvaged and brought up ashore more than 1,800 objects. Um, yeah. And you can actually see in 1991, I think it was, they, um, carried out 17 dives. They spent over 140 hours at the bottom. They shot 40,000 feet of IMAX film and created the 1995 documentary film Titanica, which was released in the U S and then a re-edited version was narrated by, uh, Leonard Nimoy. So Mr. Spock, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You can actually pay tens of thousands of dollars to do like a tour of the Titanic remains, but, um, that would be like eight to 10 hours in a craft that is seven feet wide. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know what? I'm good. Some couples got married down there, which I thought was all kinds of fucked up because like, why would you want to get married at the site of a really tragic human event? Whatever. Some yeah. of the tours have caused damage to the ship as well. So like the, the submarines, well, like the mini crafts will like land on the deck, which causes it obviously to deteriorate. And basically from an article last August, 2019, scientists estimate that there's about another 30 years left for the wreck before it's completely reclaimed by the ocean. And that is the wreckage of the Titanic. That's so weird that it's just going to like go away. I know. I know. I think too, like, you know, one of the reasons why I like this topic is because this was so unavoidable. I mean, this was so avoidable in like every respect. Like there were so many things that had to go wrong for it to line up to happen. Right. So like, if you think about like how many warnings they got and how it was like a totally like clear, calm night and how, you know, I was watching a TV show about it and like, it was like a super moon and it was like, like the tides were extra high and like all of these things were like in place to make this so disastrous. But the man that essentially owned the Titanic survived it, even though like hundreds, thousands of paying passengers and crew lost their lives. Gross. This was a huge event because we have the loss of millionaires and socialites as well as immigrants and people of all nationalities. And so all spectrums of society were um, victims of this, which you don't really see in a lot of like human disasters. And I think the biggest one, and this just kind of encompasses all of it is like human versus the world you know I said this at the very top but like you put a challenge out there to the universe like this is an unsinkable ship and the universe is like lol okay yeah Yeah. let's try exactly yeah so that is um you know that's why I thought it would be kind of cool to start off with the Titanic yeah so now you have to tell me about these conspiracy theories because I'm literally dying to know okay so I have two like really quick conspiracy theories and then one really in-depth one um, so yes. the one that is the closest to aliens put the icebergs there is that oh if you remember, you mentioned earlier that they had a mild winter and so all the icebergs shifted south more than mm-hmm. we normally would. Mm-hmm. Well, some um, astronomers believe that there was a full moon on January 4th of that year that created unusually strong tides. And some people think those tides are responsible for sending the large chunk of icebergs south. So there's essentially a theory that a full moon caused the Titanic to crash. Um, That's actually unheard of, though. That's similar to what I was just saying. Yeah, it's 
basically, I mean, it's you say the full moon and it sounds like crackpot, but it's yeah. the full moon caused this strong tide that caused the water to shift in a way that put the iceberg there. Right. But the fun version of it is a full moon caused the Titanic. God. But I found a bunch of like scientific debate that I didn't understand about tides and celestial gravity and all that. Right. Um, oh, you could do like a whole series. Oh, that yeah. Shit. Not yeah. me, but someone who knows what the words mean. <laughs> As someone who can pronounce things that's better than me. Right. <laughs> So that was just like a fun, quick one. Um, the other one, and we didn't mention this um, when I talked about people earlier, but one of the big things with the Titanic is there was a number of really prominent people that were supposed to be on the ship and at the last minute pulled out. So J.P. Okay. Morgan from J.P. Morgan Chase. Oh, shit. At the very last minute, canceled his ticket, um, as well as Milton Hershey, so the founder of, like, Hershey's Chocolate. Had Hershey's Chocolate been founded already? I believe so. Okay, all right. Um, if it so it wouldn't have been totally off. <laughs> right. Like, it would have sucked, but we would have still had her right. chocolate. But they were, like, two really rich, well-known men. And then there were some other, right. like, rich, well-known men whose names we don't know as well. So I think there was in total, like, four or so people who backed out at the last minute. Um, wow. and, and at the time, there was basically a lot of, like, political stuff going on about founding the Federal Reserve Bank in the U.S. Oh, okay. And J.P. Mm-hmm. Morgan Chase was really opposed to that because capitalism. And right. so he backed out. But then you have on the ship... Jacob, um, John Jacob Astor and some other financiers. And so some right. people think J.P. Morgan Chase essentially orchestrated it to have his enemies oh killed. Um, oh my God. There's, basi- what? there's basically no evidence for that. There's not right, even right. any evidence that people on board supported the Federal Reserve Bank. So it wouldn't have necessarily mm-hmm. gotten him anywhere. But born out of the, well, surely like some rich bad man did this is a theory wow. that jp morgan chase like had the ship sunk somehow to get rid of his enemies i mean it could like i guess you could say like turn off all radio communication if you like he could have had like inside people so, yeah like, if you see warnings of an iceberg just ignore them well like, he was rich enough if he what paid off the captain or some of the crew or something like that right. it's not infeasible right um, wow so that the, would be really shitty if right? that was like 100% true. For real. So those are two shorter ones, like without much evidence that I've seen floating around. But there's one big Titanic conspiracy. There's a book by a man named Robin Gardiner about it. Okay. And this is what I've seen presented by people as like a real legit could be true conspiracy theory. Oh so the, the long and short of it is that the Titanic didn't actually sink. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, A different ship sank. So if you remember, you talked about White Star basically had a fleet of ships, right? They had the Olympic, they had the Titanic, and then they eventually had the Britannica. Um, The Olympic was a slightly older boat Mm -hmm. that was built a few years prior, but it was nearly identical to the Titanic. It was a little bit smaller, but pretty much the same thing. Um, And it was the same fleet. So they had the same goals of it being like comfort and safety and unsinkable and all that. So in 1911, the Olympic was involved in a collision with a U.S. Navy ship. And there's a bunch of back and forth on like whose fault it was. Like the official ruling came down that the Olympic caused it. But all of the Mm -hmm. eyewitness accounts kind of say that's not true. But ultimately the official stance was that the Olympic caused this. And what that meant is that the insurance company wouldn't pay out a claim, right? They said, no, it's your fault. Right, your fault. So we're not going to pay 
we're, we're not going to pay out damage and right. stuff like that. So it put okay. White Star in a position where the Olympic oh. was pretty badly damaged. And so it was out of commission for a while to be repaired. Right. And the Titanic wasn't completed yet. So they had no boat and a bunch of money riding on it. So this is where we get into the theory part. I'm just going to talk as if it's true. So yeah. basically what they did is they patched up the Olympic terribly, right? They did like a crappy patchwork job and changed the name on it to the Titanic. So that when the the quote-unquote Titanic left, it was actually this patched-up Olympic. And later, when the Olympic set sail, it was the original Titanic. So they swapped wow. the boats out. and there's... Because the Olympic was already, like, kind of damaged, and so... Exactly. It, sink, it was, like, whatever... Exactly. And yep. Um, and there was a few things people noticed. So like when the Titanic took off, there's a couple accounts that it had what they call a list to port, which is basically the body was slightly tilted towards the port side, right? Um, which is something that the Olympic was noted to have after its collision. And most of the ships in the fleet had generic parts. So they wouldn't have said Titanic or Olympic or anything like that. The only and anything that did, they could, like, just put the word fucking Titanic Right, on well, it. the only things that did were removable. So, like, lifeboats were marked with ship names, bells, things like that could all be switched out. So, wow. basically, the theory is that the Olympic was not salvageable. And so, the only way they were going to make their money back was a crash. Something had to happen to the boat. Oh, my God. And so this theory is that the seacock, I don't know what a seacock is, but it was a funny word. But basically seacock, like cock. Seacock. I left it in because I liked the word. But yeah, you had to. Yeah. But basically they opened up those supposedly watertight areas to slowly oh, flood the ship. Jungle. Yeah. I just Googled what is, okay. I just Googled seacock, which was very risky. It was. Really. Like I, it could have been really anything. Yeah. And it's saying it's a valve on the hull of a boat or a ship permitting water to flow into the vessel. Yeah. Wow. And so that they purposely flooded them and that the belief was that there would be numerous ships stationed nearby that could take the passengers. So everybody would be fine. Oh, right. So, I mean, there it was were, the shortage of lifeboats really. would not matter as the ship would sink slowly and the boats could make several trips, but they never went back. Oh my God. And so that's basically the theory is they purposely sunk their ship, but with it comes a lot of like who was in on it. Right. So the, for this to work, Captain Smith had to have been on in on it yeah and waited until he saw a rescue ship in sight to do that or he knew that there was one yeah wow yeah and the guy who wrote this theory claims that they never hit an iceberg they hit like another ship that had been wrecked and he has ways that he explains away like the ice on the deck and and all that and he wrote a book yes and let me let me pull up i have here what it's called and it's obviously like highly contested and you know well yeah people are like bro like (laughs) there were hundreds of people who like reported seeing an iceberg but then again like people talk when there's money involved exactly um and it's basically like so they got these big people like jp morgan chase off the boat right you think about the important people who didn't get it on the boat holy shit um, and then the guy who like owned the white star line exactly got off too. And so if the oh captain was God. in on it, and he was in on it. I'm like freaking out right now. I'm like sweating. And so he says that there's this guy, First Officer Murdoch. Um, So he wasn't like technically on... I've heard that name. He wasn't technically on duty for the night, but he was on the bridge of the boat. Um, And they say he was one of the other high-ranking officers who knew about Captain Smith and that that's why some of the officers got switched out last minute. Um, Oh my God. Yeah, I said earlier. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and so that's basically the like big conspiracy theory. His book is called Titanic, the ship that never sank. Um, I found, (laughs) right. And there's a couple other like specific things where you look at like, so the Olympic in 1911 did trials for speed. 
And they they took two days of trials, but the Titanic only did one day worth of trials and worked at like half the speed. Um, in the documents, it shows slower, and Gardner says that was because the patched up ship couldn't do it for any longer. Um, oh, wow. And that it was just this like crappy ship that they knew shouldn't be out there. And then he basically says the actual Titanic that was renamed the Olympic went on to sail for like 25 years. And that's maybe. crazy. Holy shit. Oh, that's infuriating because like I'm like I like conspiracy theories and normally I'm like that's crazy but like that's like really weird because it's literally yeah well because like if you think about all the people like who could have or should have been on that boat then weren't and then like literally you just brought in like half the stuff that I said with like people like getting switched out last minute and oh my god wow so that's like the big conspiracy theory that like a lot of people actually subscribe to that it was all for insurance um and because they did ultimately get an insurance payout when the boat sank yeah my god but all those like literally thousands of people dying yep that's so, crazy wow so that's my we started theory. we started with such a heavy one i know I, I love it we're running like long and i don't even care because Whatever. this was it's great fantastic yes so. so that's the rms titanic yeah wow we did it we did first it one uh first one done look at that us. Was, uh that was great i loved it damn so hopefully you like laughed a little and hopefully you're not gonna cry too much thinking about all of these like really garbage things that basically may have been just a whole giant conspiracy yeah, just rich um, old white men. Yeah, just making money and uh, ruling the world like they've been doing. Fine. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. This was great. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right. Peace. Bye. Thank you for listening to What the History Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WT History Pod. You're also welcome to email us at whatthehistorypodcast at gmail.com with topic suggestions or questions. Please subscribe to the podcast so that upcoming episodes show up in your feed and we will talk to you soon.